0: on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and it all started when I came across a book with a really intriguing title. It's called Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart, 30 True Things You Need to Know, written by a man called Dr. Gordon Livingstone. Now, I don't feel qualified to recommend the book. Frankly, I haven't read it. But I have seen some great chapter headings in the online promotion. Chapters like, Feelings Follow Behavior, or The Perfect is the Enemy of the Good. And here's an intriguing one. Life's two most important questions are why and why not. The trick is knowing which one to ask. And here's another theme that I've actually preached on. Our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. There are many things that I wish I'd known many years ago, and this is not just about a hunger for more information. Rather, wisdom is what is needed, because true learning is not just about completing a course, following a manual, or reciting parrot-style a series of memorized facts. In real learning, life itself, life with all its ups and downs, life is the classroom, our everyday is the academy. But wisdom takes time to develop. Yes, a lifetime. What matters is that we learn from our wrong turns and mistakes and continue to grow. I wish I'd known that maturity takes a while. Four decades after becoming a Christian, all my questions about life and faith have certainly not been answered, and perhaps some never will be. I'm rather nervous around those people who say that they'll get all the answers in heaven, as if they're planning on approaching the Lord and saying, Excuse me, Jesus, I know 10 billion angels are singing right now, but could I just ask you how to correctly interpret the book of Revelation? And actually, I'm fine with not knowing all the answers, because one truth that I have figured out is this. I'm not God, and He alone is. I've given up trying to be God. It's really rather exhausting. But as I've trekked the trail called life, I have picked up a few nuggets along the way. Now, I know I'm taking a risk in saying that. You might think that what I call a gold nugget of wisdom is more of a dull briquette of common sense. Nevertheless, over the next few programs, I'd like to pass on a few insights that might just be helpful. So, tonight and for the next week or three, let me share what I wish I'd known. I'm sharing a few things that I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known that it's a good idea to leave early. It sounds so very obvious, but over the years, I wish I'd left early, be it for travel, appointments, the airport, or the dentist. Okay, not the dentist. Rushing is what I tend to spend my life doing, and it's mainly because of one simple debilitating habit. I like to calculate how much time it will take me to get somewhere, and then leave with exactly that amount of time to complete the journey. This means that I'm constantly clock-watching while getting to meetings at my church office, 28 minutes and 30 seconds away, if traffic is light, and the one traffic light that I despise is kind enough to be green. This habit means that I feel frantic as I dash to the airport one hour, 14 minutes if I don't go through the drive through place on the way for a coffee, hoping and praying that I'll be there on time, feeling massively stressed throughout the journey and arriving somewhat emotionally fractured. Ironically, in trying to achieve more, I end up achieving less because my head is brimming with anxiety and I waste the journey time. Instead of reflecting, planning, thinking, I'm too busy worrying that I'm going to miss that plane. I've also sprinted through airports to get to departure gates and on one occasion many years ago our plane actually pulled away onto the runway but because my last minute antics had caused two families to be late, that's a lot of empty seats, they actually pulled the airplane back to the gate and allowed us all on, something that would never happen today. The sound of tut-cutting from the other passengers as our breathless, sweaty little group boarded the then delayed plane was understandably deafening. Ironically, I am a very punctual person and I believe that being late is rather insulting because a delay costs other people time. When I am late, not only am I delayed, but I send a message to those that I am meeting that I do not consider their time to be rather important. It becomes a habit. I know people who were probably late being born and have constantly been late ever since. If they arrive punctually, then it's rather surprising now they have a reputation, and one for not keeping their word. In a way, being late is theft. Horace Mann put it rather bluntly, unfaithfulness in the keeping of an appointment is an act of clear dishonesty. You may as well borrow a person's money as their time. And sometimes being late brings total disaster. Remember the disciple Thomas who missed that epic meeting with Jesus which created a week of shadows for that hapless disciple. Nobody knows what he was doing and why Thomas wasn't there. Perhaps he knew he'd be late for the gathering because of poor planning, so he didn't bother. But there's another episode in the Bible where we can be certain that a delayed arrival created all kinds of problems. In the Old Testament, Samuel had agreed to meet nervous King Saul, and he was just a little late. And I'm not talking 20 minutes or even an hour— Saul had been told to wait a week for Samuel to arrive, but even then Samuel missed that deadline and Saul's demoralized troops began to scatter. Saul panicked and offered sacrifices, a job reserved exclusively for the priesthood. We're not told why Samuel was delayed, but his lateness certainly had dire consequences. So let's keep our word. Leave early. Be on time. I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known that God has a hobby. I've always got mixed emotions when I'm hearing about other people's hobbies. I experience a combination of slight envy and bemused bewilderment when others share how they spend their free time. I am mildly jealous of one friend in particular who is passionate about carp fishing. I covet the thrill that he feels when pitching his tiny one-man tent on the mushy bogland by a mosquito hotel of a lake. He sits there for no less than three days, undisturbed, unwashed and loving every moment of it. When at last he hooks a carp, some of which he has caught before and knows by name, he takes a selfie with the wide-eyed fish lovingly cradled in his arms and then releases it back into the murky depths. I can't decide whether to emulate him or encourage him towards some therapy. Something similar happens when I'm around golfers. I loathe the game, not least because I'm so useless at it, being possessed of a spasm rather than a swing. The last time I played, I got teamed up with some nice Japanese gentlemen who were very, very good at golf, but they were about as good with English as I am with Japanese. After just seven holes of me gouging great clods of earth out of the previously pristine greens, taking 15 shots on a par-three hole and often missing the wretched ball altogether, they both fled. I haven't played golf since. I don't really have any hobbies. I am rather partial to a glass of wine, but that's not something to get too passionate about. People who do can end up joining a club with others who share their enthusiasm. It's called rehab. But more than... 45 years of Christian life and ministry have taught me that God does have a primary hobby. It's called redemption. Now let me explain. In using the word redemption, I'm not talking about the wondrous act of cosmic rescue achieved at the cross. In a way that none of us can fully understand, Jesus redeemed us at Calvary. This was the greatest work of all works as the Creator became liberator. I'm talking about God's amazing ability to bring good out of what was bad. In a word, redeeming. He's the master of turnaround. He doesn't just forgive what he was not the architect of, but takes our myriad muck-ups and messes that we mucked up and messed up humans make and brings something beautiful out of them. He mines treasure out of our trashier episodes. And I'm not being irreverent in tagging this as God's hobby. A hobby is often an unusual action that brings great pleasure to the hobbyist. I believe God is especially thrilled with his redeemed, recycled masterpieces, of which there are many. Whiny, petulant Israel huffed and puffed and stamped her national foot, demanding a human king, which was never the plan. But out of that rebellious uprising came not only the insecure disaster that was Saul, but also golden boy Goliath toppling King David. But like all humans, he had feet of clay. David hooked up with Bathsheba and added murder to the sin of adultery by having her innocent, righteous husband killed off, the casualty of a royal conspiracy. Yet, out of the eventual marriage between David and Bathsheba came Solomon, the greatest celebrated wise man. And from his line came the wisest and greatest royal, Jesus, the king of kings himself. Later, Judas sold Jesus out, religious barons connived to bring him down, and the brutal Romans did their worst. But this vile morass led to the greatest turnaround in human history, as the cross, the instrument of death, became the tree of life, its eternal fruit available to all. And God's redemptive hobby can be traced in smaller triumphs white-hot-zealous types stumble and fall, but become more compassionate and tolerant because of their tumbling. Bewildered believers who once felt they had faith all figured out suddenly hit a wall of question marks, but in trusting through the unexplained seasons, they make friends with mystery. Or suffering makes an unwelcome house call, and although nobody in their right mind would actually request a visit, solid gold faith, is forged by the pain. Redemption. Few of us can look back on the pathway we trod without any regrets, and those without regrets might just be deluded. But let's be assured of this. We serve the God of the turnaround. If we have our own horrible histories, not only does he wipe away their stain, but he can bring beauty out of the ashes of our mistakes and sins too. And so, in just beginning this short series on things that I wish I had known, so far, just a couple of simple nuggets. I hope you think they're useful. Leave early and know that God has a hobby. He loves to redeem the things that he's not the architect of. Of course, accumulating wisdom is not just about taking note of lessons that we learn along the way. Rather, it's about actually living in the good of them, applying them. So let's look back, reflect, notice our journey, and then live today in the light of all that we've learned. See you next week. Lucas on life.